showing that rising incomes have led to longer lifespans, reduced societal violence, and greater personal fulfillment. In theory, however, people can obtain all of life's essentials by means other than income. Such was the promise of communism, for instance, that collective ownership of goods would translate into universal prosperity. Even though communism failed in practice, it remains true that expanding GDP is not the sole way to generate collective prosperity or well-being. In fact, even when incomes do rise, inflation, which increases the costs of goods and services, can undermine any resulting gains, as generations of Social Security recipients have discovered when their cost-of-living adjustments have failed to keep pace with their rising household expenditures. On the other hand, falling costs of vital goods and services can preserve or even enhance standards of living during a time of stagnant wages. Despite these truths, the institutions that steer modern economies and the measures they rely on typically focus more on the income side of the economic ledger and neglect to consider costs. Both academic and government economists track cost-of-living indices and purchasing power, but only secondarily to GDP, income, and inflation. Even the more astute chroniclers of economic growth, such as Deaton and his fellow Nobel Prize winner, Amartya Sen, exhibit this bias. During much of the 20th century, the costs of goods and services rose as fast as wages, and often even faster. Today, however, costs are falling around the world. Since 2010, global inflation has mostly hovered around 3.5%, roughly equal to the rate of real global growth and significantly lower than the over 5% inflation rate experienced during the two decades preceding 2010. In the developed world, meanwhile, inflation has fallen even further, to below 2%. Technology deserves most of the credit for this trend. True, automation may be eroding wages and threatening many forms of work. The McKinsey Global Institute recently estimated that robots could perform as much as 45% of all the tasks currently carried out by human workers, representing as much as $2 trillion worth of annual wages. But by making manufacturing more efficient, Technology is also driving down the cost of almost every good in the world, from hamburgers to automobiles, and innovations such as fracking have reduced the costs of energy and commodities. Technology is also driving down the costs of many essential services. The cost of traditional higher education, for instance, has been rising far faster than the rate of inflation. But the price of online education with the rise of MOOCs, massive open online courses, is far lower, at times even zero. Because GDP measures simply the value of all the goods and services produced by a country, lower costs can reduce it. Economies that depend on high prices will contract as prices fall. That is true both for real GDP which adjusts for price changes and inflation, and for nominal GDP, which does not. And this contraction alarms not only economists, such as Summers, 
but also most government officials, whose legitimacy has become tethered to their ability to increase GDP growth. But GDP growth is no longer an especially useful way of measuring the health of modern economies. Many of the most important developments in the modern economy contribute little to official GDP figures. Browsing on Wikipedia, watching videos on YouTube, and searching for information on Google add value to people's lives. But because these are digital goods that have zero price, official GDP figures will consistently downplay their impact. Improvements in efficiency, which reduce costs, have a negative impact on GDP. Consider solar panels. Their installation boosts GDP initially, but thereafter the savings in oil or gas will reduce GDP.